Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Believe in Steelers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mark Bergen, joined as always by two-time Super Bowl champion and 12-year veteran of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Ike Taylor. Mark, what's up? What this is our fourth week? Something like that, Ike. We made it Four, to the five. weekend. Yeah, we 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 living. We living. We survived. Well, you know what? I don't like to say surviving. We're doing our damn thing. I love it. We're recording this on the Friday morning ahead of the Steelers road game against the winless Cincinnati Bengals. Before I give you a roadmap of today's episode. Just want to uh-huh. give a quick shout out to our listeners. Thank you so much to all of you that have tuned in, subscribed, and listened to the Believe in Steelers podcast. Each show has gotten more listens than the previous show. So thank you to our listeners there. I agree. Uh, I want to just piggyback off of, off of Mark. I want to appreciate everybody just listening and tuning in to this Believe Steelers podcast. Well, Mark and I, man, just keep tuning in. It's going to get goodier and goodier. And you can listen wherever you get your podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Luminary, TuneIn. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. On today's show, we'll answer listener questions, and we'll talk about Dak Prescott's growth in Taylor Talk. But we'll start with the NFL's decision to uphold Miles Garrett's season-long suspension and the decision to reduce Steelers center Marquise Pouncey's suspension from three games to two. I we talked before the show. We don't want to go too far into Thursday night's brawl. If you want a complete breakdown of that, download and listen to our previous episode. But I kind of, what are your thoughts with the NFL's decision yesterday? Well, I kind of knew they was going to uphold Garrett's suspension, you know, because of the climate. It was where it was at. Training camp, it would have been a little different story, but national TV, I can understand them, you know, just everybody getting that, that picture was painted, that visual. So I could see where they stand with that. So they got to put a stamp and put their foot down. So say, well, Pounce, I knew they was going to, you know, take a game off of them. I thought it was going to be two, but actually it was one. But just to see the Pittsburgh still a nation, just to see the Yenzers in Pittsburgh all try to rally and free Pouncey kind of quotes and get money. So they're really trying to get money to free Pouncey. That's just letting you know how this city is behind the Pittsburgh Steelers and them players. And Pouncey still has his fine to pay, a couple of $10,000 uh, fine. I think it's like more than 30000 whatever it is. But I, and this is more rhetorical. Miles Garrett's a smart guy, did some research, scored a 31 on his Wonderlick test, which is higher than a lot of Super Bowl winning quarterbacks. Right. As part of his appeal, it came out, you know, there was an anonymous source that told ESPN's Adam Schefter that, Garrett's representatives claimed that Mason Rudolph used a racial slur. And we talked about this on the pod last week. We don't know what they said. The NFL did not have the players mic'd up from what I've been able to find in the research for today's podcast. It really, to me, it just begs two questions, though. Why didn't either 
Garrett or any of the other players mention this alleged slur to the media members in the immediate aftermath of the game? And why would Garrett have waited nearly a full week to mention it? Those are just the two questions I have. And honestly, like I said, they're kind of rhetorical. I don't know if we'll ever know the answers to that. But those are just the two questions that I would have for Garrett if I were a media member asking him about the incident. Yeah, that's what, you know, that's, that's kind of fishy, Mark, because, you know, and I agree. And you know how I felt about the situation on, not really on being on Garrett's side, but just understanding or trying to understand how, how Garrett felt at the heat of the moment and that time. But, yeah, when you come out five, six days later and make these comments, it's just kind of, I ain't going to say hard to believe, but it's like what you said earlier, like, why you ain't say this a day or heck? Why you ain't say this two days after? But just to wait so long, it's, it's almost like a abracadabra. Well, he said this, and this would kind of tick to piss me off. So, yeah, I agree with you 100%. If it was said earlier or a day after, I can totally understand or agree. Or a light bulb would have went out on like, okay, why? But just waiting for so long, and not you saying it, your representation saying it, it's a little bit different. So, if Miles would have came out and said, I would have understood, but the representation, saying that it's kind of it's kind of fishy to me and from all the research that i did before this podcast there were mm -hmm. no microphones with any of the players that might have caught something that rudolph said or you know the exchange that they had so there, from everything that i've you know found up until this point up until friday morning that doesn't really mm -hmm. exist nfl spokesperson brian mccarthy says the league looked into garrett's allegations that rudolph used a racial slur and this is a direct quote, said, and mm -hmm. found no such evidence. So we really don't know. The NFL decided to uphold Garrett's suspension, and that will be at least six games. I'm sure the league and really both franchises just want to move past the brawl on Thursday night football. But, and, and this goes back to the Pouncey suspension, Pouncey will miss the next two games, which includes the December 1st matchup that the Steelers have against the Browns. So these two teams will play each other again in less than 10 days now. Right. I mean, with, with that suspension, Mark, you know, at least going forward from a coaching standpoint or from a coaching staff, they understand now who they will and who they won't have. You know, so now they understand going to that game, they won't have pouncing. Um, just looking to be reinstated, got a game reducted. But at the same time, you know, it's just, you know, it's, it's a plug and play. You got to move on. So now we'll officially know how long Pouncey will be out, you know, for the remainder of the season. So it went from three to two. So that's good on Pouncey part. They still got the free Pouncey signs out. So I just look at it from a coaching standpoint, from a coaching staff, like, okay, now we know we're working with next man up. Let's get him ready. Let's get him prepared. Don't forget this still is a divisional game in 10 days and we can still put ourselves in good standings. I mean, it, it looks blur right now, but at five and five, the Pittsburgh still is still at good standing. If, if they can win out, they're just going to need a little help because after that first and second team between the Patriots and the Ravens, man, it's still kind of up in the L. So they still got, they still, and we still at five and five, Mark, they still have life. The only other player suspended. Browns defensive lineman Larry Ogunjobi, he will still be suspended for one game in the aftermath of the Thursday night football brawl. Ike, do you want to move on to keys to the game for Steelers at Bengals? It's the running and quick pass game. And what I mean by quick passes, 
just getting Mason Rudolph confidence back. So everything's short. If I see on the X side, and that's the left side of the offense, if I see the X on the left side and I see a, a cornerback, he's eight yards off, I'm throwing a down pass right now just to get him in the rhythm. If I see a slot guy who is uncovered, meaning there's two receivers on one side, one guy's off the ball, and he's lying close to the line of scrimmage to the tackle, I'm throwing the ball right now to him. So just to get Mason in that kind of rhythm, like, okay, I'm ready to go, but also play action pass. But the run game, I feel to believe, really going to have to help Mason Rudolph coming off that full interception game against Cleveland. But at the same time, I get it. Um, you're going to have games like that. I think we were saying this last podcast, that's just how it's going to go. It's going to be a few games like this in your career. You just got to shake it off because not only do the front office want to see it, but your boys want to see how you respond to games like this. The guys you go out on the field want to see how you respond to games like this. So I think for just for the game plan with the Cleveland, with Cleveland in 10 days, it's going to be real quick passing game in the run game. The defense didn't play bad at all. So if the defense can just continue to what they're doing, um, they've been balling out really, to be honest with you. They've been the strength to this team. But if the defense can continue to do what they do and just get Mason Rudolph in the rhythm, a quick rhythm, not letting him really read right now, but the run game will have to be strong. And the Steelers could see the return of running back Benny Snell Jr. Steelers probably will be without Juju Smith-Schuster. He had a concussion and a knee injury in that game against the Browns. And then also probably without James Conner, who re-injured his shoulder in the Browns game as well. Ike, what you said, how does Mason Rudolph respond after his worst game as a pro? Four mm-hmm. interceptions, what could have been five, like you mentioned in the last podcast. Also, Pittsburgh, from an offensive standpoint, converting on third and fourth down. The Steelers were two of 14 on third and fourth downs against the Cleveland Browns. And I think that goes back to what you said about the running game. If the Steelers are able to run the ball and make it third and short or third and manageable instead of being put in third down long situations, I think that's going to be key. Pittsburgh's favored by seven this weekend against the Bengals, but points will be a premium in this game. The over-under set at 39 points. So really, to me, when you just see an opening line like that, and we'll see how the game actually plays out, but the odds makers are usually pretty spot on. Points at a premium at the over-under at 39. To me, that means kind of whoever can get to 20 points first could very well win this football game. And I don't know if the viewers watched last night. It was the Houston Texans versus the, you know, Indy Colts. So, and, and I love this game plan. And I think for a drive, I think the Colts and Brissett ran 17 times out of 18 plays. That should be the Pittsburgh Steelers remedy right now, being able to run and pass it when you want to. So that's just playoff football. That's cold weather outside December, January, February kind of football. That's just what you're going to have to do, period. You're going to have to have a run game in the cold weather going into the playoffs, period. That's just how it go. So, and I'm saying when I saw it last night, Mark, like when I'm watching this Houston, Texas and this, and this Colts game, like two tights, run the ball when we want to, passing it if we need to, but getting to your point on third and fourth down, the third and fourth downs were, were manageable. That's what's going to have to happen for the Pittsburgh Steelers on third down. It's, it has to be very manageable. It can't be third and eights, third and six. If we can get it to third and fours and unders, it's a, our playbook is a little bit extensive, if you so say. If not, 
it's going to be another long day for Mason Rudolph in that Pittsburgh Steelers offense. A stat I always like looking at in low-scoring games is time of possession, just because if you're able to run and control the football, you keep your defense off the field, it allows them to rest, and it wears down the other team's defense. Time of possession doesn't always it doesn't always tell the narrative of the game, but for low scoring games, it's a stat that I always look at coming off of a 17 to 10 loss to the Raiders Bengals coach, Zach Taylor became the sixth coach in the Super Bowl era to lose their first 10 games. Cam Cameron did it in 2007, losing 13 straight as head coach of the dolphins. I can't imagine how demoralizing it would be if you're the team to lose to this winless Bengals team so far this year. That's going to hurt. <laughs> that's going to hurt because if you look at it, that's like the Super Bowl for the team who's 0-10 right now. Like, them beating you is like their Super Bowl game. And they're looking at it, and they see the standards, and they're like, why we can't be the spoilers for the Pittsburgh Steelers? You know what I'm saying? Like, we understand that the Ravens are clearly taking off this playoff race and what they're doing on offense and defense. The Pittsburgh Steelers are struggling, and we really haven't had a good record in about 10 years against the Pittsburgh Steelers. So while they're struggling and we're struggling also, we might as well bring them on board. <laughs> so we might as well drown them as well as we're drowning. So, but it would be, Mark, <laughs> it would be tough. It would be hard in that city. Because <laughs> in that city of Pittsburgh, when you lose the Monday mornings, the sky is great for some reason. I, I don't care what, I don't care if it's summertime. <laughs> Pittsburgh still is taking L. Sky is great. If it's, <laughs> if it's, if it's summertime and Pittsburgh still is win, the sun come out. I don't know what it is about when the Pittsburgh still is taking L, but for the next day, it's really Gothic City. Nobody's on the road. Nobody talking to nobody. Everybody's sad. The sky is very overcast. Like, it just has that effect. <laughs> Ike Taylor, the football analyst and meteorologist, you're getting the double scoop here on the Believe in Steelers <laughs> podcast. I hear you. Hopefully Pittsburgh, you know, come out with this, uh, with this James Winston. James Winston, that's, that's that W. <laughs> that's that W. Oh, so they're going to eat a W. Yeah, not, yeah, they need to eat a W because if not, they can't. <laughs> They can't go to Uncle Shannon's shop place and take that L. <laughs> Now's a good time as any if you're interested in advertising or becoming a presenting sponsor of the Believe in Steelers podcast with Ike Taylor and Mark Bergen. Please contact the Believe Podcast Network at Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V.com. B-L-E-A-V.com. Ike, here's something I had in the show prep. The love of the backup quarterback. The Bengals starting rookie Ryan Finley is a fourth-round selection ahead of Andy Dalton. This is a Bengals team that's probably going to draft a quarterback in the 2020 NFL draft. There's a lot of talent coming into the league. You have a lot of free agent quarterbacks that are about to hit the market as well. But NFL fans love the backup quarterback. I've seen it with Steelers fans clamoring for Duck Hodges to come in to replace Mason Rudolph. I've seen Bears fans do it with Mitchell Trubisky's struggles and Chase Daniel, who is a serviceable backup, but there's a reason why he's been a backup for the duration of his career. A lot of these teams, their offensive problems extend far beyond the play of the quarterback. 
And this is something that Zach Taylor, the Bengals coach, has noted that his team's offensive problems weren't squarely on the quarterback. I don't even really know what point I'm trying to make here because if you go back to Dalton, you get a worse draft pick. The Bengals are a team that is already eliminated from playoff contention. But I at least like to see teams be competitive. As good as the quarterback play has been this year, it's a lot of bad quarterback play. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you're good from – let's just go from Patrick Mahomes and Lamar up. And when I want to say up, I'm t- and, and Dak Prescott up. So when I want to say up, I look at them just consistently being at the top bottom tier. You know, so the, the, t- the top of the chain is the Drew Brees, the Aaron Rodgers, the, the Tom Brady's, those guys. They at the top. And if you want to say right now, you can, now in the bottom tier of the guys who've been playing hot are the Patrick Mahomes, the Lamar Jacksons, and the Dak Prescotts. Uh, I also got to put Russell Wilson in that top tier. There's someone we'll probably forget in this discussion, but you get the idea of the kind of the different tiers of quarterbacks that you're talking correct. about. I- correct. These, these, these young guys, but after that, after Drew, Aaron Rodgers, um, Russell Wilson, who else I named? Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady's Brady, be in there. Yeah. Jackson, Dak. After those seven, it's, it's kind of a toss-up. I'm talking about for the 2019 season. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of a toss-up on everybody after that. So it's been some okay play. It's been a lot of hit and miss. It's been some guys that show flashes. But after them seven I just named, who's been consistent for the most part of the 2019 season, man, it's been a lot of bad play, Mark. And, and I know we get caught up sometimes with the real good-looking girlfriend. Like, you got a lady, and I mean lady, a, a girl, she, she cool, she cool, does everything for you, but the looks ain't a 10. From a 1 to a 10, the 10 is the best. The looks ain't a 10, but she does everything for you. Then you got the backup quarterback, you know, who's the 10, but really doesn't push the load on your back. So we always get caught up so saying things like that, but at the same time, it's a reason why you're a backup. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's a clear reason why you're a backup. You can give me three to four games max trying to hold the season down, but me asking you to be a franchise quarterback or just playing 16 games consistent at a high level that's something you can't do because it's already proven. Your girlfriend analogy cracks me up. It's one of those things where you, you meet someone and they're all sizzle and no steak. And obviously, <laughs> you would want to have both, right? You'd want to have the sizzle Correct. and the steak. But if you're asking for me, I'd rather have the steak and no sizzle than all sizzle and no steak. Oh, it, 100%, 100% I agree with what you told me. The grass is always greener. The grass is always greener. Yeah, that's... That's, but that's how they look at it. Like, and the grass ain't always greener. And, and, that's, and that's what people got to understand. Like, okay, you got to understand the backup usually comes in and the opposing team have it game plan for that backup. Okay. So it's kind of like, okay, they, they threw a wrench in my system right quick as a defense coordinator when the backup comes in. Now, in the following game, if a, if a D.C. defensive coordinator knows that the backup is going to play, the backups look like backups. That's just how it is. So 
I mean, no knock on backups. We all need backups, but you know, we said it best. We said it earlier in the podcast, earlier this year. Backups ain't number six men coming off the bench. I remember you made that analogy when talking about Ryan Fitzpatrick, the Dolphins quarterback. And, and it's just one of those things where these fans just think that as soon as a backup comes in, all the team's offensive problems are going to be solved. And in most cases, that's not true. That's Correct. just fundamentally not true. Everybody can't have a, <laughs> a Tom Brady as a backup. You know, that's – that's a needle in the haystack, right? Yeah, there. Just, Tom Brady or, or Kurt Warner, and it, it's yeah, it's, it's 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 and don't forget, Kurt had to go through. Kurt bounced around for a while. He sat behind. What was that, Eli? Kurt bounced around for a while. Sat behind Eli in New York. In New York. Yeah. So, so it, everybody can't pull out them stories like the Tom Brady's or the Kurt Warner. I thought you were going to go to his time as a, a grocery store backer. Uh, going way, way back, even before he was, he was with the St. Louis Rams. Yeah, don't forget we had a good Tommy Maddox, too, for the Pittsburgh Steelers when I first got there. Tommy was doing insurance. <laughs> it was, that, was that before he – because I know Maddox was in the XFL for – Yeah, yeah. At first, you know, he was, he was doing a 9-5, to five, wind up coming back, making a name of himself and not winning the Super Bowl, but, you know, we all love Tommy. We all love Tommy. Tommy is one of my favorite quarterbacks, to be honest with you. Did you have a nickname for him? Because I know you called Charlie Batch, check down Charlie. Did Tommy have a nickname at all? No, nah, we, we didn't have a really. We just, Tommy had like baby hands and baby feet. So picture, picture a guy who's 6'4", 6'5", West High, 9, shoot. <laughs> Size 9? <laughs> like, like Tommy, Tommy had small hands. That's why the ball used to always slip, small feet. That's why the ball used to always just slip. Off his hand is like, then when Tommy hot, Tommy was hot. You know, called Tommy, Tommy gun. When Tommy was hot, he was hot. But, man, if that weather was, if that weather didn't, didn't fall on his side of the bed, man, it was going to be rough for him passing that ball because, man, he had some small hands. That, that, was, that was the problem. Like, because, I mean, honestly, I can see that size tissue. I can see that because my brother, he's 6'2", and he was size 9. That's six unbelievable two. to me. Right. I'm 5'8 if you're generous, and I wear <laughs> ten and a half shoes. So I always throw that in there if you're generous. But right. let's go to listener questions. STL Boltman writes, what are your guys' thoughts on Philip Rivers' future after his horrendous performances the last two weeks and his contract being up after the season? Ike, I'll let you start. Yeah, it's time to let him go. It's time to let Philip Rivers go. And I'm a Phillip Rivers fan because we didn't have so many games against each other. And Phillip talked just as much smack as me. And I talk a lot of smack on the field. But for a quarterback to talk smack, I was like, oh, yeah, I can roll with him. I can rock with him. Like, he ain't backing down from nobody. But on the flip side, it's just it's hard to be a really true pocket quarterback right now you got too many guys on defense who are very athletic and you can just tell from an offense standpoint yeah you got to be able to pass but you got to be able to move too so it's cool I see the league turn into more like the Drew Breeses and the Russell Wilsons like guys they want to pass first but they're able to move 
when they need to. And just knowing Phillip Rivers isn't, <laughs> it's kind of hard for him to move out that pocket. So, you know, these defensive guys now, they see and they understand that, like, if we got a statue sitting in the pocket and I feel like pressure is coming, I'm going to sit on these routes. I'm going to sit down on these routes because when you're mobile, you're able to extend plays. And we saw that last night, the Houston Texans and the Colts, they were, you know, they two quarterbacks, they were able to extend plays and get out of the pocket when they felt the pressure. That has been the problem for Phillip Rivers. You know, him not being mobile enough at a latter age in his career on moving. So it's, and as much as I love him, I just feel like he's just kind of hurting the offense because, man, they got weapons. I'll get to Rivers in just a second. Ike, this is something we've talked about pretty extensively here on the Believe in Steelers podcast is there's a difference between mobile quarterbacks and running quarterbacks. Correct. And with Rivers, the guy turns 38 next month, could be playing for a different team next season. And if you're the Chargers, you have to decide what you want to do moving forward with the new stadium opening for the 2020 season. And so do you want to give a contract to a guy who's going to be 38 in December, or are you going to try to draft a guy a lot like a lot of teams are going to do with what seems to be a pretty talented 2020 draft class? And so are you going to draft a guy to help market the new team just because they're going to have a new stadium next season? And in terms of, and we saw this in the Pittsburgh game, Ike, with where they're playing right now, there seem to be more Steelers fans at the game out in L.A. than there were Chargers fans. I mean, but that's – it's always – it's always been like that, Mark. I'm talking about even when I played and we went to Seattle, I couldn't believe it. When we went to San Fran, I couldn't believe it. When we went to Dallas, I couldn't believe it. But that's just how the Pittsburgh nation travel. They travel – they travel well. And it, it got to an understanding where, like, people who worked at the stadium was like, man, we can only give y'all so many tickets because y'all buying up all our tickets and this game is going to look like a home game. <laughs> so, well, that's, that's what happened. That's what happened this year. Yeah. That's, that's, but that's, that's how it was when I played Mark. That's exactly how it was. That office only gave us so many tickets because they knew we'll buy the whole stadium up. And that's just how the Pittsburgh still the fans rock. But getting back to, you know, the LA Chargers going into this new stadium the stadium hasn't, for me, if I'm a GM and I'm a front office guy, which I want to be, it has nothing to do with building the stadium. I'm trying to win. So, yeah, we have some talent coming out of college. And if I feel like this talent can help my team, I'm getting me a quarterback. That doesn't necessarily mean I have to get a quarterback in the first round because if you just look at history, it's been a lot of busts at quarterbacks in the first round. And that's, and that's just how it is. It's, it's been a lot of GMs who misdiagnosed guys at quarterbacks. And just because that's a need of mine doesn't mean I have to reach. It's a lot of solid quarterbacks in the second and third round. It's a lot of guys who's been slept on in the second and third round. So I'm not going to reach. But at the same time, just because I'm getting a new stadium doesn't mean I'm going to automatically go for a top 10 quarterback depending on how my season ends. But – at the same time, I think it's just time to move on from Phillip. I think they, I think Phillip has done enough. I think Phillip has been class. I think Phillip, for the most part, has done everything he can. But just in a generation and where the offenses are headed, with with quarterbacks, you know, who can pass, but being mobile, that's where this generation of football is going. I think right now, I just have passed 
you know, Philip Rivers up. And you can start to see even with Tom Brady, like, he started to sit down when he sees pressure. What I mean by sit down, he started to just get out on the ground when he sees pressure. So, and you know who, who was notorious for that? The two Manning brothers. Regardless on whether it was in their prime, their first, second, or third year, when them boys saw pressure, them boys got down. <laughs> so that's just how it is. But, you know, that's just the way for the quarterbacks, man. You, you have to be mobile. But it has to be, I got a mobile quarterback who wants to pass first, not a, not a quarterback who wants to run, then pass. And I just think it really depends on who the Chargers want to be the face of their franchise moving forward. We'll see what happens, how the rest of this season plays out. Rivers has had an, a tremendous career, a tremendous Hall of career. Fame, Hall of Fame career. Philip Rivers to me. I, I like, would agree with that. I would agree and, with that if you look at the numbers, too. Yeah, if, if, you, if you look at the numbers, it's Dan Marino-ish. Like, dang, if he could just would have won one. You know what I'm saying? But I'm not comparing him to the great Dan Marino, just saying from a numbers point and how his career so far has gone, he's putting up real good numbers. He just haven't made it to the dance. And we'll see. He could get that opportunity potentially if he moves to a different team. If he moves next season, for, we'll see. For a team, for a team, and we said it first because we talked about it first. I know everybody's talking about Cam Newton going to the Chicago Bears, but the Chicago Bears fit Phillip Rivers perfect. They have a stout defense. They have some young receivers. They got a running game, and he will come and he will manage and really. He would be perfect for Mitchell Trubisky because he now Mitchell can sit under first rounder because you know GMs they don't like to look bad, but you still can say, hey, I got me a future Hall of Famer depending on who you ask, who can come in, who can show Mitchell Trubisky how to study, how to game plan, how to be able to call plays at the line of scrimmage, what to look for because I have a stout defense. Yeah, I mean, the thing with Chicago, if you can get 20 points against the Bears, you win. Straight up. And here's the thing with their offensive struggles. It's not just on the quarterback because they have not been able to run the ball as effectively as they have in previous seasons. And losing Jordan Howard to Philly, I mean, we could go down a whole rabbit hole here. But, you know, Chicago, no, we, could, we, be a landing, Chicago could be a landing place for Rivers. It would be for what their defense does. And if you just look at it from a defensive standpoint on how I'm looking at it, even if we don't score, or even if we just get field goals, if you just convert a few third downs, that give me more rest time. Not three and out, three and out, three and out. If you can just convert two third downs, that give me an extra close to two minutes. You're not that asking for a lot, Ike. You're not asking but for a lot. That's how good defense is thinking. You can just see with Chicago, that's how them, because them boys play. Them, they give it all. That, that whole defense give it all. And that's every play. They give it all. So they exhaust fast because they give it all the whole game. So it, they can only go for so long. All right. You sit down and you make this and you hold the ball an extra five minutes with that defense. That's a play. For me, looking at that defense and seeing what they have on offense, Chicago is a playoff team. Hands down. They just got to get a quarterback who can convert third downs. I ain't even asking for sevens. Convert third downs and three points because they can score on defense. Absolutely. Let's go to Taylor Talk. I, I know you wanted to talk about Dak Prescott and his growth 
with the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys up against the Patriots this weekend. Ike, I was looking at the MVP odds. Right now, Lamar Jackson is the favorite over Russell Wilson. Mm. Rodgers is in third. And then depending on who you ask, Mahomes and Prescott, if you look at the odds, are 10 to 1 right now. Mm -hmm. If Prescott beats the Patriots, Mm -hmm. I think you can make a case that he would move up that list. And with the popularity of the Dallas Cowboys, right. In a game where you're an underdog, New England favored by seven. But Prescott leads the league in passing yards, yards per game, and yards per attempt. From what I'm hearing in Dallas and from what I've read, this is now Dak Prescott's team. And the numbers are reflecting that right now. No, I'm looking at the numbers. I'm looking at 3,200 yards total in passing. I'm looking at 21 touchdowns, nine picks. You know, I'm not heavy into passer rating, so I'm not even about to go with the passer ratings. But I also like to look at the eye test. So my eye test showed me him being in more control of the offense, you know. And this one I'm telling people, and I'm going to say we said it first on the Believe podcast. Twice in one podcast for the yeah. listeners. You're welcome, everyone. Yeah, yeah you're welcome. You know, that, that's going to be our new nickname. You're welcome because we said it first. I'm going to tell you this. As much criticism they're giving their running game and Zeke not running the ball, I guarantee you Dak is taking over because now the game really slowing up for him. He's more into the matrix. He can call a run or pass play because now in the OC, Kellen Moore is giving him the option for a run pass play. You can just see it, how he sits and lines up at the line of scrimmage. You can see the nine huddle. When you see a quarterback really doing nine huddles, and they just coming to the line of scrimmage. Your huddle is a line of scrimmage because you have clock. You have a lot of clock. You have 25 seconds to kind of dissect and see what the defense is doing. That's growth. That's confidence coming from the coaching staff and coming from Dak. But Dak understands and knows, Zeke, I can lead us right now. I'm going to need you for this playoffs. I'm going to need you for this playoffs. And, yeah, they're going to say what they want to say. You got your 50 guaranteed. But we don't care nothing about that. I know as a quarterback, and I've known just period as a quarterback, even going back to the Mississippi State days, we had to have a running game because I was a part of that running game. Now, me growing and developing as a quarterback, that's what I'm doing, and I'm talking like I'm Dak. That's what I'm doing. So you can see the 444 yards. You can see the 397 yards. You can see the 463 yards. Like You can see the 405-yard games like, this man doing this against what a Minnesota defense, and at the time the Green Bay defense wasn't playing bad midway during the season. So Dak really is coming. We like to say in the South, oh he's showing his tail, and what I mean by showing his tail, meaning he's balling, he's coming to himself, he's finding his own, and you can just see the coaching style just giving him more leeway after leeway after leeway, and sometimes. Guys just take longer to develop, but don't forget, man, them boys been missing, them boys, right? Them boys been missing. They've been hurt for a while. Like, he really haven't had a receiver for four weeks straight. Amari Cooper has had his injuries. Yeah, Gallup, he's been injured like Cobbs. He's finally – but now you're starting to see them three really be healthy. And now you're starting to see what the Cowboys can do. You know, the only really receiver been there is Jason Whitman. You know, Jason, man, <laughs> Jason running like me right now. 
but 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 that's that's just how it is. But <laughs> <laughs> at at the same time, you know, I, I'm just I'm just very impressed on one how Dak has handled this whole contract situation. One, two, you can just see that offensive staff kind of just handing him the playbook and saying, this is your team, this is your offense, lead us to where we need to go. Dak is making his case to become one of the NFL's highest paid quarterbacks when his contract expires in March. And going back to the point you made about Jason Witten, going from the Monday night football booth Mm -hmm. into being, you know, a key contributor to this offense Mm-hmm. it's pretty remarkable regardless of how this season shakes out though Dak is going to make his money I think it's just a matter of how much especially in the league you know there are people out there all the time that will say oh you know how much should he make the median salary for a starting quarterback in this league is 21 million dollars that's so that's smack dab right. in the middle smack right. dab in the middle Prescott's going to make his money regardless of how this plays out I cannot wait to see how the Cowboys stack up against the Patriots on Sunday. Hey, picture, picture this, Mark. So, Dak last year, period, threw for 22-8. and eight. So, he threw for 22 touchdowns, just period, 2018 season. 22 touchdowns, eight, eight interceptions. This year, the season isn't even over with. He's thrown for 21 touchdowns, nine picks. Since 2016, 3,600, 3,300, 30, 3,800, and that's yards, passing yards. He's already at 3,200. So when we're talking about opening up the playbook and this really is becoming Dak's team, this is what you're starting to see. Like Dak is just progressing as a as a young man and as a quarterback. As far as like contract situation, Dak isn't taking a hometown discount and I don't think he should. And that's what I do like about this young generation. They know their worth. So this this young generation, they ain't taking no hometown discounts. Now me on the other hand, when I played, you know, a few of us took a little hometown discount because we wanted to play with each other. But at the same time, don't forget it's all about your money. But for Dak, and I'm just looking at it from a quarterback standpoint, man, I see what they're about to give Patrick Mahomes. Man, they're about to give Patrick Mahomes $200 million. So why would I settle for $120 million total off a contract when Patrick Mahomes is going to have a signing bonus of $120 million? So... And I get it, man. He just he just bet on himself, and right now he's he's in a position of power, Mark. The other game I've got my eye on this weekend: Packers taking on the 49ers, a showdown of the two best-looking signal callers in the league, two of the top teams in the NFC and the NFL, for that matter. And I'll say this too: How stupid were all of we at the start of the year wondering if Aaron Rodgers might not get along with new head coach Matt Lafleur? The emergence of Aaron Jones in the backfield has helped Green Bay. As long as Aaron Rodgers is in a Packers uniform, and I know this having grown up rooting for the Chicago Bears, as long as Rodgers is there, to me, it's their, it's their division to lose. Rodgers has been the king of the NFC North for as long as I can remember. And Chicago won it last year for the first time in like a decade. But... Packers at 8-2, and two, 49ers at 9-1. and one. I cannot wait to see how this unfolds on Sunday Night Football. Sunday Night Football also seems to get the better matchups now compared to Monday Night. I don't know. 
if they have prime selection in terms of they can choose which game they want. I think that's the case, but two of the NFC's bets in this game, I can't wait to watch. If you just look at what the San Francisco 49ers defense is doing, they only gave up 155 total points. That's best in the NFL. No, I'm sorry. That's second best because the New England Patriots at 108, uh, which is uh, unbelievable. And Lamar Jackson has like half of them. Correct. So, <laughs> right, if you if you just look at what the Patriots on the AFC and from the NFC, what the San Fran 49ers are doing, man, it's unbelievable. So the first thing you think of is defense. And I think we talked about this couple of weeks ago, the first thing, when I saw John Lynch get a GM job for San Fran, I said, man, he's going to build that defense up and he's going to get a running game. It's going to be the first two things he's doing. It just so happened his head coach and Kyle Shanahan was thinking the same thing. We're, get, we're going to get a stout defense and we're going to have a running game. Now, when you want to talk about being exotic and having formations and, and just putting up points, you usually talk about passing. But Cal, from some, from, for some reason, just been around football all his life, his daddy being the head coach of football for NFL teams all his life, has an exotic run game. So that's what makes Coach Cal so special because usually when we talk exotic, it's passing. It's really never running. But when you talk about San Fran, you're talking about an exotic run game from the looks and the formations, not only with a stout defense. So that's what I like to see. That's playoff football. That's championship football, so say, what the San Fran 49ers are doing. Getting to Aaron Rodgers and company, you know, they got two Aarons over there. Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones, and I'm trying to stake my case for Aaron Jones to sneak him in the MVP hunt because last year I was looking at Aaron Jones, I was like, man, who this little kid coming off the bench? Who this little kid coming off the bench playing running back, but Aaron Rodgers is throwing him at receiver. So now you're starting to see Aaron Rodgers in a full season with Aaron Jones and what Aaron Jones is doing. Aaron Jones is putting 500-some yards rushing, 11 touchdowns rushing, and he's putting 500-some yards receiving. <laughs> I think what he got, 18 touchdowns right now total between rushing and receiving Aaron Jones I'm talking about. So now we have a real live, we have a real live threat coming out of the backfield. And what's, what's like other than a tight end on a, on a safety or a linebacker, the, the really, really the toughest mismatches are running backs on linebackers because linebackers aren't used to getting outside the box. When I mean outside the box, they're not used to covering outside the numbers. So now when you get Aaron Rodgers who can throw the ball to whoever he wants to, place it wherever he wants to place it at. Right now, if he wants to just place it at my address, he can place the ball right now at my address. That's how accurate Aaron Rodgers is. But just to have a guy come out the backfield and be a one-on-one -on -one matchup between a safety or a linebacker, Aaron Jones, that just adds another dimension to the offense. So, of course, you know, like you just said, the Sunday night games are – getting more views and people are starting to tune in more in the Sunday night games because these are the A-list games, so say. USA Today had a great piece on Aaron Jones and his background coming from a military family. I would encourage any of the listeners to go check that out. USA Today story about Packers running back Aaron Jones. You mentioned that Jones 
could be in the MVP race. The last running back to win NFL MVP, Adrian Peterson in 2012, when he was still playing for the Minnesota Vikings. Ike, is there anything else you want to get to before we, uh, before we sign off here? Today was very insightful. I feel like today was very insightful. We just hidden, really, Mark, we just hitting a lot of avenues, bro. Like, if you want us to go back and forth, we can go back and forth. If you want to sit and listen, because we got some insightful stuff, like, we got good topics. And we'll, the flow is getting better, is what I want to say. It's starting to get better. It's starting to get better. Ike, I've got you. For Ike Taylor, I'm Mark Bergen. Thanks for listening to the Believe in Steelers podcast. We'll be back next week breaking down the Steelers and Bengals. We'll see you then. So long, everyone. Peace. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.